This is Mana for Your Soul podcast, a podcast of the lead pastor of Tucker United Methodist Church in New Jersey, Reverend Jason Rios. We hope that today's words bless your life. Have you ever questioned God? I'm sure we all have. From the little seemingly insignificant things to weird questions and to very tough questions. And our questions come from wonder and from high points in life. But they also come from tough situations, extremely difficult situations. In our search for God, we will question. Through our faith journey, we will question. We will ask, we will wonder about things. We may even in our search demand an answer. And guess what? That's perfectly okay. A USA Today poll asked once, if you could get in contact with God directly, ask a question and get an immediate reply, what would you ask? The highest percentage, 34%, wanted to know, what is my purpose here? The next group, 19%, will I have life after death? Another segment, 16%, wanted to know, why do bad things happen? Significantly, 12% of those surveyed had no idea what they will ask God if they could expect a personal answer from him. 7% wanted to know if there is intelligent life elsewhere. And finally, 6% wanted to know exactly how long they will live. So what questions do you have for God? You know, when we ask who God is and how God loves people, we have scripture that talks about God. We have nature that reveals his creativity and thought. We have those moments when we might say he gives us a personal insight or a personal answer in different way. Those times when you can say without a doubt, you know God did something for you. And maybe through something someone said or an event that just, you know, those moments when you say that cannot be a coincidence. But again, in our search, as we look for God, read about God, learn about God, and see God in things around us, in our search, in our search for God, we might have doubts. Everybody has doubts. We all have a tendency to second-guess ourselves and say, did I did the right thing? Did I make the right decision? Did I turn off the stove? Did I close the garage door? That's something I say every time I come to church. And then I see myself, I did or I didn't? And then I turn around, oh, I did, okay. Should I take it back to the store? We all have struggled with these kinds of questions in our lives. And there are many different kinds of doubt. Let me quickly name a few. 
When we doubt the future, we call it worry. When we doubt other people, we call it suspicion. When we doubt ourselves, we call it inferiority. When we doubt what we hear on television, we call it intelligence. When we doubt everything, we call it skepticism. And when we doubt God, we call it uncertainty. People, people refuse to admit that there are times when they doubt God because they misunderstand doubt. Unfortunately, Christians are often taught that having doubts should cause us to be ashamed. And doubts are normal and every person of faith deals with doubts and struggles with difficult questions. Because doubt is not the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Doubt means to be uncertain or undecided. A wavering of opinion or belief. A condition of uncertainty. An unsettled point or matter. That is what doubt is. And when you and I doubt something, we are not saying that we don't believe it. We are saying that we are not sure. So doubt left alone and not properly dealt can lead you and I to unbelief. Doubt is somewhere between faith and unbelief. And we can say that we are safe beyond a shadow of a doubt. But at the same time, we're not sure of God's will for our lives as far as a specific ministry is concerned. We can live with the assurance of our salvation and yet to be unsure as to rather or not God will meet our needs or bless us. See, doubt can and will deprive you of God's promises and blessing for your life. And it is important to remember that theology means God talk. It would be impossible for any human being to talk about God and get every detail right and to be able to answer every question. No one has all the answers. Not even me as your pastor. So sometimes simply asking the question allows us to better understand how to live a faithful life in a world full of doubt. That is what we see in Isaiah. Isaiah is living in a difficult time. It was a horrible time for the people of Judah. And it all began when in the year the king Isaiah died. So God calls Isaiah... To spread a message of hope. That God's mission to bring healing and light to all nations was going to happen. And Isaiah had real doubts that if he could truly speak for God. Because it was a very difficult time. There was corruption in the kingdom. There was pain in the kingdom. He has seen what was happening in the kingdom. And he thought that he was part of that corruption. But still, instead of hiding his doubt, he shared it with God. And God did not shame Isaiah, but gave him the grace to answer 
his need and gave him the courage and strength to follow and live out his calling. God made the doubt-filled Isaiah into the, one of the greatest prophets of all time. A prophet whose word will give hope to a people in exile and foreshadow the coming of the Messiah. So important figures in scripture like Moses, David, Sarah, Peter, Paul, Mary, all struggle with doubts and questions. Those who doubt are in a great company. And what's beautiful is that God makes room for our doubts. One powerful example is in the book of Psalms. Biblical scholars tend to divide the book of Psalms into different types of categories. The category with the largest number of Psalms are called the Psalms of Laments. These Psalms are songs of pain and doubt. And many of the Psalms of Lament were most likely written during the conflicts and exile Isaiah and other prophets faced and wrote about. The Jewish and Christian tradition has always believed God wants us to be honest in sharing our hope, our joy, fear, or doubts. So what doubts and questions do you have as we begin this Lenten journey? As we continue on our spiritual journey, getting closer to another Holy Week and Easter celebration. As we go together to God and say, God, here I am. A day like tonight, a season of Lent, is a time in which we are called to face our limits, our weaknesses, and mortality. And as mortals, we will always have more questions than answers. By facing our questions and doubt and bringing them to God, we are free from the power they can have over us. We are reminded of God's love and grace that is bigger than our doubts. In the Gospel of Matthew, we see that Jesus' concern was not to tell us what we ought to be doing. Rather, to remind us to stay focused on why we are doing it. He says, and I paraphrase, when you give alms, don't make a big show of it. Give anonymously. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And by all means, don't give hoping that somebody will be impressed or want to give something in return. When you pray, don't make a big show of it. Haven't I said this before? Find a secluded spot so you can pray privately. And whatever you do, talk to God the same way you talk to a friend. Honestly, openly, straightforwardly. Not with empty phrases. And when you fast, as many of you are doing today, don't make a big show of it. So this is beginning to sound like a broken record, right? Wash your face, wash your hands, comb your hair, look your best. Because if people know you're fasting, then you're going to be the center of attention. And not God. And that defeats the whole point of the matter. 
So you see the sense of Matthew and what Jesus was telling them and reminding us on this evening as we prepare for land is that whatever we do, we do it to connect with God. We do it for the glory of God. We do it as a moment of devotion and service. So as we bring our life, our hearts, our questions, and our doubts to God, we have to do it with an open and sincere heart. That it can be a place of encounter with God. What we seek in this holy season is to open up our lives so there can be a place of resurrection. We empty ourselves of our questions, of our doubts, so that God can live in us. Lent can give us the opportunity to revive, to revive of our dreams, of our hope, and of our worship life. But this begins when we ask God to search our hearts, to, clean, to cleanse our hearts, to help us go forward. So that we can say in our humanity, yes, Lord, I have questions. Yes, Lord, I may have doubts. I may have fear. But I trust that your Holy Spirit is with me on the journey. A famous theologian was, came upon a boy flying a kite. And the kite was so high that it couldn't be seen. It was out of sight in the mist in a low cloud. The professor asked the boy, how do you know the kite is there? And the boy replied, I can feel the tug of it. And not long afterwards, someone asked the professor, why do you believe in God and in the spiritual reality? And he said, I believe because I feel the tug of it. You know, people often wonder who God is or if even God exists. But each time we receive and each time we give and each time we witness love, we get closer and closer to our answer. We will talk a little bit more about this on Sunday when we ask the question, who is God? But as we prepare our journey of questions, let us be open to God. In our humanity, as we begin this season of Lent, let us prepare our hearts and say, God, here I am, all that I am. I empty myself so that Christ can live in me. Amen? Amen.